And one of the funny things for me is when Penguin Random House and we were talking about releasing this book, I said, no way can it be released in January because my least favorite phrase in the English language is new year, new you. What is that crap? I, I'm gonna wake up on Jan 1 and I'm a new person. You're not broken, I'm not gonna fix you. In fact, you don't need fixing, but tomorrow could be more awesome. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 45 of Be More Well. This week, I'm speaking with Megan B. Murphy. We're going to be talking about the power of positivity, along with a few other things as well. She's truly an inspiration, and I think you're going to love her. But first, Be More Well is a wellness-focused podcast hosted by me, Jeff St. Pierre. Now, what do I know about wellness? Almost nothing, but that's exactly why I started this show. I wanted to talk to people from all across the wellness spectrum, anybody who's got a story to tell about how they've found mindfulness and wellness in their life. Now, ultimately, my goal here is to provide you with some information and hopefully some inspiration that will help you be happier, be healthier, be less stressed, more mindful. I just want you all to be more well. Now, I've always called myself a realist. I don't look at a glass as being half empty or half full. I look at the fact that it's filled to half of its capacity. I'm not concerned if it's going to be partly sunny or partly cloudy. I know either way I'm getting some sunshine, but sometimes being a realist can set you down a road of negativity. Life isn't always sunshine and rainbows. Crappy things happen. I try not to focus on or harp on the negative, but sometimes it's just kind of unavoidable, right? You find yourself in that trap. Now, a few years ago, I was running a lot more. I'd hit a personal goal and I was struggling to find motivation to keep going. That's when someone introduced me to the idea of, um, well, I guess you'd just call it positivity. That doesn't seem to fully encapsulate what I'm talking about, but basically they told me to think positively while I'm running. They pointed out that there's actually scientific research that found runners who smile while they're running enjoy themselves more and often have better times. By smiling, you're essentially tricking your brain into thinking everything is great, as opposed to, you know, huffing and puffing and complaining, which tells your brain that you're struggling. Life is one big mental game, really, if you think about it. Along those same lines, I've had a lot of struggles with my day job environment. You know, it was starting to get tough to wake up in the morning to go in. I just wasn't enjoying myself, and I'd have this negative attitude about it. I'd think, ugh, I've got to go into work today. But I shifted that mindset. I shifted that attitude and I started thinking, hey, I get to go talk on the radio today. I get to talk to people. That's pretty cool. It sounds cheesy. It really does. And trust me, when I do it, sometimes I want to throw up because I'm embarrassed for myself. But honestly, it works. It's helped me to continue on my journey in so many ways. So why am I telling you all this? Well, today's guest considers herself to be arguably the most positive person in the world. Her name is Megan B. Murphy. She's currently the content director at Women's Day Magazine, but she's been in media for basically her entire life. She's worked at MTV, Good Housekeeping. I think she even helped start Teen People Magazine and so many more things. But life wasn't always great for Megan. As a kid, she was super negative. Then she made the decision to see life from a different set of lenses. She turned to positivity and it changed her life. Megan is sharing her strategy with everybody in this new book, Your Fully Charged Life, a radically simple approach to having endless energy and filling every day with yay. I know what you're thinking. Those upbeat, always positive people are terrible. And in some regards, I do agree. They drive me crazy. But there are a lot of really easy and science-backed ways to feel better in this book. Even if you're not walking around like you're bouncing from cloud to cloud, you can still take a lot of these strategies and bring them into your life to energize you and get you psyched up to take on the day. 
Uh, before we jump into this conversation, just a, a couple of quick housekeeping things. Uh, first, be sure to subscribe to Be More Well on whatever platform you're using right now so you'll be notified of all future episodes and updates on the show. Uh, I'd appreciate it if you could rate the show and leave a review. That kind of interaction really helps the podcast powers that be understand which shows are making an impact and helps to suggest them to new listeners as well. So it'd be amazing if you could take a minute and rate and review. Uh, we're on social media. You can find us on Instagram at Be More Well Podcast. Please feel free to send me a DM with any comments or questions or even guest or topic ideas. I do love to hear from you on what you'd like to hear more about as well. And lastly, I did this interview a couple of months ago when I initially spoke with Megan, I had really overbooked myself and this conversation kind of fell behind. So I just give you that heads up because there are a couple of references that if you're an avid listener of the show, you might think are a little outdated. Uh, and she also was having trouble with her microphone uh, when we first logged in. So I thought it was kind of funny. I left it in there in the edit. Technology, man, it can be a problem. Is that bad for you? Um, I don't think it's bad for me. I think the microphone sounds a little bit clearer, but it's not a huge, gross difference. I don't understand it. Why would that happen? I don't know. That's weird. I need to like, I need, I need like a tech, I need tech help in life. <laughs> I would figure somebody with your background, you'd be all on this by now. <laughs> no, no. My background is like old and not technical. I, oh, come I, on. I, I, like, like, I just don't know how to do it. <laughs> That's okay. I was just looking before you signed on. I was like looking my, at myself in the image here in the screen. I was like, one thing I was not prepared for was having to get used to seeing myself on video all day long, every Isn't day. Isn't that weird? Sometimes when I look at, like, if I look at myself too hard, then I like, like, it becomes, you're like, oh, wait. I'm talking. That's what I look like when I talk. <laughs> I know it's so weird. I've never been good. I've never been one to enjoy myself in pictures and videos. It's like it's been such a shocking thing to see it all the time. Oh, I'm with you. And and I'm like a trained actor, but I still am like, <laughs> well, Megan, I'm glad we could connect because uh, you've got a really great book here. The book is called, wait, I want to make sure I get the full title right here. I've got it on my iPad. Your Fully Charged Life, A Radically Simple Approach to Having Endless Energy and Filling Every Day with Yay. And that was that last word that caught my eye. I was like, I want to talk to her because she's putting yay in her book title. Um, and on my window behind me with these blow up yay balloons. Yes, there Whatever. it is. And do you want to know the best part of the, about the word yay is forward and backward it says the same thing. It's perfect. It's perfect. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I've been working on my daughter. I've got a almost three month old daughter now. And um, I've been practicing with her every time she stretches and puts her hands up. I go, yay. And I'm like, hoping eventually she'll just start doing it, expecting the response. Oh, uh, congrats. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, before we do talk about the book, though, I want to talk to you about something that's slightly off topic, not totally, but slightly, because uh, you're not the first person I've heard talk about this. And that is Ted Lasso. Um, I watched that show the first time through and I watched it for pure entertainment value. But then I heard, I think it was Brene Brown. I heard talk about it. And then I've heard you talk about it and somebody else too. And I was like, I have to go back. And I went back and watched it again. And it's fascinating how much deeper that show is than just a straightforward comedy. Oh my gosh. He's the ultimate optimist. I was so sad when it was over. I like, have they put out new episodes yet? I like, he no. wanted to go back. Last I heard, they were supposed to start filming to have, I think, in the fall. They might have something else this coming fall. I mean, it was just like pure, like for me, it was just pure joy. I'm like, that's my spirit animal. <laughs> I want to be Ted Lasso. Oh, wait, maybe I already am. 
<laughs> I, I think in some ways you probably are based on your background here. <laughs> but that's the joy. Like he walks into the to the locker room and he doesn't smell dirty socks. Like he sees possibility. Like that's that's the coolest way to walk through life. And when I heard um, Brene Brown talking about it, she was looking at it from a more leadership perspective. And the eternal optimism in him is such a a different leadership practice than what you see normally from a manager or a leader. Like usually it's a much more stern, you know, kind of attitude, but his is one of, you know, uplifting and optimism to use that word again. Well, that's what you should work at woman's day. I mean, it's a, we, our whole motto is we're destination celebration. No holiday left behind from taco Tuesday to Christmas. <laughs> Are you hiring? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I wish I, I could use some help. <laughs> uh, I've also heard you say before uh, that you didn't have a career goal. Um, can you explain that a little bit more? I know it seems so so counterintuitive, right? Because I, I I've achieved some things in life, but I think the key for me was that I was always present um, with wherever that moment was in life, and I chased what excited me because I really realized that the the key piece of any success is passion. And if you care about what you're doing, especially for me, if I care a whole lot, I'm going to be really good at it. Um, and so if you look at the span of my career, it's, it's no accident that when I was a teen, I was working at YM and helping to found teen people. And then I was an on-air person at MTV in my 20s. And then I went on to Cosmo. I was a senior editor at Cosmo during my Sex in the City years. I went on to self during my self formative years, and that's where I, I, you know, married my husband, had my three kids, and the second I moved to the burbs, I wound up at Good Housekeeping, um, which I would have rolled my eyes about 10, 10 years earlier, but that was the exact right moment because that's what I cared about in my real life. Um, and then just before the pandemic, I took over at Woman's Day and, and turned it into Woman's Yay. I basically um, live with so much passion and purpose that the jobs find me. It's so interesting because I feel like I've had a similar situation in that I knew I wanted to do something in music and that got me into broadcasting. But I, when people ask me now, well, what do you want to do? I don't I don't always have a great answer. I mean, I, I love the opportunity that I have to speak with people and to engage with people. And, and in my other part of my job, you know, being on the air at a music radio station, I, I just love the opportunity to share music with people. And but I don't know if I have, you know, everybody expects to, you to have this grand thing like, oh, I want to be this title at this place. I, I've never had that. I always felt kind of weird by not having that. No, and I think it's kind of nice to admit that. And it, it, I think it takes the pressure off of 20-somethings who think they have to have it all figured out. If you would have asked 20-year-old Megan, would I ultimately be the author of Your Fully Charged Life and the editor-in-chief of Woman's Day magazine, I would have thought, well, no, that's not. That wouldn't have been anything I aspired to. Um, and I wouldn't change a thing. But it, it wasn't like, gotta do this. No. What my driving force is, I know I have to care. I know that I'm like the Lorax. If I care a whole lot, good things happen, but I have to care. And when I bring passion and 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 interest to something, I do well at it. Well, that uh, that motto has definitely worked well for you. So hopefully people that are listening will take that and roll with it themselves because it seems to be a successful model. <laughs> I, I think when you care and you're passionate, that energy is contagious and it helps people buy whatever it is you're selling. 110%. Uh, so let's dive into this book a little bit. Uh, I've heard you talk about uh, in the book, you can't be happy unless you do happy. And that has kind of become sort of a motto for you as you've changed your own mental uh, way here in life. Well, I think if you're like, okay, be happy. Well, that's pretty elusive. How the hell do I be happy? 
But if you flip that and you understand that you have to do happy in order to feel happy, that there are actually things, action steps that you can take, and they're small to move the happiness needle. Um, and learning what those things are for you because they're different for everyone. I like to think of your fully charged life as a toolkit. And at different points in your day, your life, you're going to need different tools. I'm going to give you the whole toolbox. And then you decide when you need the hammer, the wrench, you know, the, the whatever, right? It's, it's a toolkit. Um, and, it, and it's funny to me because in writing the book, I wrote about meditation. I wrote about the power of meditation. I also wrote about how I don't meditate. And I loved meeting Dan Harris, who wrote 10% Happier, who um, does five minutes of meditation a day and really changed his own life. And I put that, that's in the toolbox, just was never in my toolbox until I had COVID. And the next thing I know, I'm downloading a meditation app and laying in bed for an hour meditating. So it's very interesting. You might need different tools at different times, and you may roll your eyes at something now and need it later. The key is knowledge is power and then understanding when you're going to have to put these things into practice. I love your analogy about it being a toolbox. And, and here's why, because right near the beginning, as you're getting, you're sort of setting the scene in the book, you talk about what this book is not and what will not be in the, I'm trying to think of the exact way you word it, but I think you know where I'm going with this. And I feel like so many books along these lines they expect people to be all in 110%. This is how you have to do it from start to finish. Follow my path. But that's not what life is. Life is not going to be a perfect wave every single time. No, and I think that's the key. So because I've been a magazine editor for so many years, one, one of my best jobs was at Self Magazine. I was the fitness director and the deputy editor there. And I ran a program called the Self Challenge, which was a year-long weight loss, diet, and exercise program that helped motivate hundreds of thousands of women. And in coaching those women, I actually got to see in real time what really works. Because we can know something, but knowing and doing are very disconnected. And so for me, a lot of what I'm going to tell you here is fun filtered. Yes, there's lots of hard science. And yes, these things work um, in clinical trials, but here's how it might work in your personal trial. Like, and, and that's really the secret sauce of the book. And what I'm able to do just because I use myself as a guinea pig, road tested the strategies, saw them put into play with hundreds of thousands of women. Um, so there is no right answer. And one of the funny things for me is when Penguin Random House and we were talking about releasing this book, I said, no way can it be released in January because my least favorite phrase in the English language is new year, new you. What is that crap? I, I'm going to wake up on Jan 1 and I'm a new person. You're not broken. I'm not going to fix you. In fact, you don't need fixing. But tomorrow could be more awesome. And something here is going to click for you and it's going to stick with you. And when you put it into practice when you need it, things are going to change and you're going to start to do happy. Yeah, I've always felt with you know other advice or whatever you might get from people, it almost makes you feel guilty if you have a bad day, you know, because you're, you're trying to follow letter to letter, letter by letter. And if you have a bad day, you're like, well, where did I fail? What did I do? Like, that's OK. Bad days happen. You know, like it's it's about how you bounce back. It's about how you view it, how your perspective changes. And I, I think that's what your book focuses on a lot more. Well, bad days don't make you a bad person. Right. And I think that's that moment of pausing. And I'm, my motto on repeat for Team Murphy, my family is stay in your day. OK, like. One math, one mad, bad math grade doesn't mean you're failing fifth grade. Stay in your day. What can we do right now in this moment to fix this mistake? How can we own this mistake, correct this problem? Ultimately, that'll help the big picture. But stop worrying about the big picture. Right here, right now, it's all we got. 
Uh, I know people listening can't see what I'm seeing right now, but I'm seeing lightning bolts everywhere uh, in, in this screen, whether it's on your jacket or on the wall. Can, can we talk a little bit more about the lightning bolt situation here? So I, I, in my book, I call it dopamine dressing and, and sort of dressing the way you want to feel and realizing that your clothes have the power to be a venti latte or a tranquilizer. And I always choose latte. And so for me, that means wearing this symbol of the lightning bolt, which makes me feel fully charged. It's something that comes from my mom, who was the OG lightning bolt um, on her honeymoon road trip to um, Yellowstone National Park many moons ago. She had these big, cool braids and a lightning bolt t-shirt. And when I look back at that picture growing up, it was always who I wanted to be. Relentlessly confident, believing that everything was always possible. Kathy Buchan's motto is, you know, ask uh, forgiveness, not permission. And I wanted to be like her. Um, and so I've adopted that symbol as, as my way of feeling fully charged, energetic, um, relentlessly optimistic, and, and ready to ask forgiveness. <laughs> <laughs> I I love the phrase relentlessly optimistic. I have such a hard time with the word relentlessly. It's one of my, <laughs> one of my things. I always it have a hard time. It might be one of my favorite words. That's right? awesome. It, like what, could, like relentlessly, you can't argue with that. I mean, that you can't get more specific than relentlessly. It's such a good phrase. I mean, it's just, it's coming hard and fast. It's coming right at you. It's relentlessly <laughs> optimistic. And you talk about how you have to work at it. Like, it's not something that just happens for you overnight. You don't go to sleep one day, wake up the next morning, and then everything is you know, hunky-dory and perfect. You have to work to to have this optimism, to have this outlook on life. Well, it's the same way if you train for a 5K or, you know, like, it's a practice, right? It's like you can train your brain the same way you train your biceps or, or your cardiovascular fitness, right? It's a training regimen. Um and once you start to see those improvements, just like with exercise, it becomes a little addictive, right? Oh my gosh, wow, this feels so good. My pants fit better. I have more energy. It's the same thing with choosing positive and doing the positive action steps. They, they really do start to build. And the cool part is it does feel good to live this way. It really, really does. I have a force field of positivity. I can find the silver lining and I don't try that hard. It doesn't mean I don't have crap days but it doesn't mean I have a crap life. I can have those bad days without it defining who I am or wrecking me. Absolutely. I, uh, I love that. Like you can have, you find your way to get out of it, to dig yourself out of that hole. And you've been on both sides of the equation here. You talk about in the book how you were a, a relentlessly negative before you became relentlessly optimistic. <laughs> I feel like I should start wearing my necklace again. My, my necklace I wore as a kid, now I wear a lightning bolt, was grumpy from the seven doors, like a gold grumpy that my family gave me because I was such an angsty grump. And then in our fifth grade play, we wrote the play and I wrote my own character. My character's name was Neggy. I was the embodiment of negativity. <laughs> and that just spiraled into some really crap teen years and some big problems um, and some really low lows with hospitalizations and all the things. Um, so the thing is, my I, I love now my childhood friends reading the book and watching the transformation because it's shocking to them, but it's equally as shocking to people who know me now and say, there's no way that was you. Right. There's no way, there's no way. And, uh, and on both sides, I'm like, yup, change is possible. Change is absolutely possible. And it, and it was hard earned for me, but I've got the secret sauce and now I want to share it. During the pandemic, I've done my best to try to look at the positives uh, from the situation because it is a hard time. There's a lot of negativity out there, but I've always tried to look at what was positive about it. And one thing for me 
um, that I took from it is that I really became a lot more comfortable with the phrase no. And that is something that you say is really important in this process is, oh, is you can't be afraid to say no. No. And, and, and again, the thing about saying no is like, we know we should say no, but how do you say no more easily? How do you become an expert no sayer? And I think that's the sort of the advice that I wanted because we that's like drink water. You know, we know we should do that exercise. We know we should do that. Say no more often. We know we should do that. So how do we do that? And I think that's the key is the how. When if you look at saying no as a form of self-care, equally as important as, you know, like a mud mask or a pedicure, say no, it's a form of self-care. When if you look at saying no as a gift to the other person, instead of giving them a half-assed yes that means nothing and gets a piece of you, you're giving them the gift of a no, which is an actual commitment, an actual response. Um, and it frees you up personally to say yes to more of what matters, to fill your life with things that give you a charge and feel good. Um, why would you be denying yourself things that feel good because you're bogging yourself down with things you weren't brave enough to say no to? And, and that's a great point because it's not like you're you know, you're suggesting to say no to everything and then you become a hermit and you never leave the house. You're saying no to the things that you really don't want to do that are going to be negative to you or they're going to take your energy where you don't want to go, but fill that time with the things that are going to bring positivity to your life, the things that you love doing. Exactly. I tell a story in the book about a, a brave no. My mom wanted to go see this community play. I was a theater major. I love theater. Community plays are like my kryptonite. It just gives me all the bad feels. I don't want to go. And so I said to my mom, I really don't want to do that. I really don't want to see this community theater, but I want to spend time with you. What if we went shopping into lunch instead? And my mom was like, oh yeah, okay, cool. I like shopping at lunch too. I could have just yesed her, right? And then had this half-assed experience that I don't really want to do. Instead, I gave her an honest answer. I gave her a no, but what if we did this instead? And I, that's my challenge to people. Like, what if you're brave enough to say no so that you can say yes to something more fun like shopping and lunch? 100%. And you know, one thing that I find with the word no, at least where, where my experience has been, is that people will always tell you every day, they want honesty, they want the truth. They want, but when you give them the truth, you find out that they're not actually looking for it. So sometimes when you give a no, you think you have an option and you say no, and then you find out they didn't really want you to have an option on that. How do you deal with that kind of situation? Uh, I mean, I, I deal with everything with honesty. I think of like being truthful in the moment and truthful with whatever it is you're feeling is always the right answer. And it's really the only way to get what you need, right? Like you just have to, to meet that tough conversation with honesty. I'll tell you one section of your book uh, that really spoke to me. I love how thoroughly you read it, by the way. You're awesome. <laughs> I try, I try. I will be completely honest. I did not read the entire thing, um, but I did go through it and found a lot of pa passages and areas that I uh, felt really, really dragged me in, like the one section about work uh, specifically, because uh, I, I, I've i tried to work a lot of these um, different, you know, changes into my life over the last couple of years, you know, instead of waking up and thinking, oh, I've got to go to work. I think it, I get to go to work today. I get to talk to people today and get to enjoy. So I've been working on that. But what really kills me are those toxic people in the office, because you don't necessarily have a choice who surrounds you. If you're not the hiring manager in the office, you don't necessarily get to choose who's around you. And you've got a whole section where you talk about how do you deal with those toxic people. I, I actually love toxic people. I think it's such a fun <laughs> challenge and diffusing them. Like 
is the best thing ever. Um, I told, there was this crabby lady in the drugstore the other day and she was so nasty. She like, like, and so I complimented her and just to watch her start to soften. And then I had like, and then I engaged her in a conversation and I watched her soften. It's so funny to take the edge off a nasty person because you can become a force field of good energy. And then that good energy is what becomes contagious, but it can be fun. I mean, we, I'm picking my kids up from school yesterday and this jerk gave us the finger. I have three kids in the car and you're giving us the finger. Right. And it's like in that moment, I can flash in the bird back or I can smile and wave and understand that his bad day is not about me. I can't change his reaction, but I can change my response. And realizing in any situation we are empowered with our response can be really kind of fun. It becomes almost a game of like, oh yeah, middle finger, look at this smile. <laughs> I've done that to people before. And after I wave and smile, I think that guy's going to follow me home. I'm going to be in trouble. <laughs> he is not pleased. <laughs> like, okay, buddy, have a good day. Oh my gosh. I, I read somewhere that you, cause you took over this new role and this new job, right? Uh, right at the beginning of the pandemic, right? As it started oh, it in, March. It in, in March. March, I never even moved out of my good housekeeping office. I was gonna say, have you even met your staff? Like, I mean, outside of yeah, zoom. Only virtually. <laughs> yeah. Like we have a lot of zooms and slacks and texts and phone calls, but we've never been in the same room. <laughs> That is pretty wild. You know, I appreciate that you are able to keep that optimism in a situation like that because it's a tough time for everybody. But to be starting essentially a new career and starting to work with all these different people that you know barely know you, like it's a that's a it is funny tough though. Thing. I love it. I just reframed it. I I love to reframe what's lame or tough. I love cognitive reappraisal, and so I just look at it as like, well, I can't really mess up, and if I do, I'll blame it on a pandemic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It wasn't me. It was the pandemic. <laughs> that is the thing. Like everywhere you go, it's like, ah, COVID, uh, whatever. Yeah, it was COVID. It was COVID. <laughs> what are you going to do with COVID? But reframing is so important. I mean, it's just, it's wild if you can, if you can find the sunshine in a situation, it's amazing how much further that can bring you and how much that can change your day. So many people just live in the doom and gloom and the darkness and don't look for that bright spot. And, and that bright spot is there. If you can find it, man, it's just, it's a game changer. And it feels so good to be in the sun, doesn't it? It does. It feels so much better. Oh my gosh. I told you, I, I've been working on this the last couple of years and really, you know, trying to change things. I found myself in that spot. You know, I've always viewed myself as a pretty positive, you know, fun person, but things just got really bogged down for a little while there. And I was like, man, I, I'm the downer. I'm the person bringing everybody down. I got to change this. You're the ultimate gift too. You have a three month old at home. One of the coolest tricks in life is, is seeing the world through a child's eyes. I mean, they have the power of awe. They're mesmerized by all of these things they're discovering in life. And to, to pause and appreciate the world through a child's eyes is absolutely a gift and you get to do it firsthand. Like the moment they discover their thumb and that it fits in their mouth or that, or that like, wow, there's things that taste better than strained carrots. Like those are such magical moments. And then you get to witness that power of awe and sort of adopt it for yourself and see the world through their eyes all over again. I'll tell you, I've missed meetings because I've been just sitting there staring at her and like watching her as she's, cause she's at that point now where she's starting to understand emotions a little bit. You know, she's mimicking us. If I smile, she smiles, you know, it's, and it's just, it is so fascinating that I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm late. I gotta go. That's awesome. This is the first interview I've done in a week where I haven't had her strapped to my chest too. Cause my uh, oh, wife is a teacher. So she's teaching from home. Oh, um, oh, that's 
And there are just some days where the baby is not going to be in class. We can't make that happen. You know? It's okay. Sometimes my dog joins my Zooms and, you know, it's just, I've hacked my life though. My three kids, I have a 10, eight and seven year old and I put them in a, a little Catholic school five days a week. So I hacked my life. So, whew. <laughs> I heard you talk about that before too, that, you know, having kids, I, I don't want to use the word accident, but it wasn't like you were actively super trying. It kind of like happened to you. <laughs> well, and I'm grateful for that. Yeah. I mean, I think that like we, we get what we need in life and um, I'm hyper fertile and I'm really grateful for that because I think I was, I remember recovered anorexic and I had a lot of body positivity challenges and, and learning to love my body and fuel it with food and treat it well. I think if I had to, if my body had so-called betrayed me in that way, it would have been very difficult for me mentally and emotionally. And so I'm super, super grateful and appreciative that my body gift, gifted me with fertility because it, it would have been, I would have been a very big personal struggle for me on top of what I've been through. We had a very similar situation. I, we, my wife and I both had had some health issues in the past where we weren't sure how it was going to work out if we decided we wanted to have kids. And last year we just said, you know what, we'll, we'll give it a year and we'll just say, we'll try it for a year. If it doesn't work out, that's fine. We're okay with it. And first try bang. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> so, so yeah, that, you're right. That's, that's exciting. My kids are all 15 months apart. So it just kept happening. Um, my husband's really hot. Can you tell? Um, <laughs> Um, but I'm so like, I'm so grateful for that. Um, I, I'm beyond grateful for that because I've seen my friends struggle and it's, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Well, Megan, I'm sorry. I shifted gears a little bit here <laughs> sorry okay. to go down that pathway, but the book, your fully charged life, a radically simple approach to having endless energy and filling every day with yay. Really great stuff. I'm looking forward to going back in and reading the pieces that I missed before uh, to get the full experience here. But where can people go to find more about you? I mean, I know you're involved in so much. I don't know if there's a, a couple centralized locations or. <laughs> I'm very active on Instagram. Okay. I love my community on Instagram and that's at Megan, M-E-A-G-H-A-N, B Murphy. Um, I also have a standalone Instagram call, account called The Yay List, which is a community that um, is just a place of positivity that looks for the yay in every day and celebrates yay humans and, and positivity. I love that. Um, I have Women's Day Magazine out every month um, and I have my own website, um, meganbmurphy.com. So those are probably the fun, like cheap ways to find me. And I have a podcast called Off the Gram where I am a co-host. I was going to say, I think there's a podcast involved in there somewhere too, there's isn't there? <laughs> you need to sleep, Megan, for crying out loud. <laughs> oh, I protect my sleep. That's a big I Seven hours. I protect my sleep. I'm vigilant about sleep. I think everybody needs to be on a, a sleep-wake schedule, just like a baby. I cannot wait until my baby lets me sleep for seven hours. I am so oh, excited for that day to come when back. that happens, oh my gosh, call me. It's the best. You're going to be like, oh. Just when you're about to break, they sleep. This is what I find. Just when you're like, I can't do it anymore. I'm crying in the shower again. They 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 give you a break. Well, I'm hoping that it comes soon because we may be getting to that point. I love her, but we may be getting to that point. <laughs> Megan, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. It's a fantastic book and uh, good luck with that microphone. I know. Ooh, I hope <laughs> I can figure it out. 
Huge thank you to Megan B. Murphy for her time today. Uh, this woman is fascinating to me. She's got so many business ventures and hobbies going on, but she's also a wife and mom of three. Somehow she still finds a way to get seven hours of sleep at night. Uh, I don't have nearly as much going on and I can barely get five hours each night. I need to work on that. Also, thank you to all of you for taking some time out of your day to listen to Be More Well. I really appreciate your support so much. Until next week, be well.